Welcome to this podcast featuring well-known Bible teacher, Kevin Connor. For more information, visit kevinconnor.org. Why don't we read the uh, first five verses together? Genesis chapter 1 and verses 1 through 5. Regardless of what translation you've got, we'll see how it comes out. Okay, everybody right? In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters, and God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And God saw the light that it was good, and God divided the light from the darkness, and God called the light day, and the darkness he called night, and the evening and the morning were the first day. It sounded pretty good, didn't it, eh? Really. <coughs> All right, in our introductory material last week, we were, as we said, we were covering some of the uh, major themes in the first 11 chapters of the book of Genesis, uh, which we refer to as the book of beginnings. And we have the beginning of uh, creation here, the beginning of the heaven and earth, beginning of man, beginning of sin, beginning of uh, the human race and so forth. The book of beginnings, as we said last week, Genesis is the seed book of the Bible and uh, God has planted so many seeds in this book that he just waters by the Holy Spirit right through Exodus and Leviticus and and Deuteronomy uh, and so forth, right through to the book of Ultimates, which is the book of Revelation. And uh, we also mentioned that there's probably two of the Uh, uh, two books of the Bible that have had the greatest attack and that is the book of Genesis, the book of beginnings and the book of Revelation, the book of the ultimates and uh, because one tells of the origin of sin and the entrance of the serpent into the Garden of Eden and the last book tells about uh, his ending (coughs) so uh, we can understand why there's such an attack on those two books Uh, tonight we're going to take a theme uh, let's just, uh, just uh, say a couple of other things here. We noticed in verse 1 last week, without repeating too much here, <coughs> I wonder if uh, one of you fellas could just get me uh, have a glass of water just to help my voice here. Thank you. <coughs> let's uh, keep this little devil down there. <coughs> uh, we noticed last week that in verse 1 we have the original creation uh, in the beginning, God created the heaven and earth. And then in verse 2, we notice that the, uh, in spite of whatever view you may hold, as I said, there's two major views on uh, these verses here. Uh, the earth was without form and void. One view holds that the earth was created that way and it was a, just a shapeless mass and then God had to uh, fashion it all like a potter does with clay. The other uh, theory believes in the, what's spoken of as the gap theory and that the fall of Lucifer took place between... Uh, Uh, verse 1 and 2 and brought about the chaotic condition so uh, regardless what view you hold there (coughs) in verse 2 we have a uh, condition a formless and a condition without uh, that's without form and void and as we saw in Isaiah chapter 45 verse 18 last week God did not create the earth that way he formed it to be inhabited and so I, I personally lean over to the gap theory others don't so I respect them and I hope they'll respect me too Uh, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. So in verse 1 we have the original creation, in verse 2 we have a chaotic creation, and now from verse 2 through to the close of the chapter, we only have two really, uh, really two creative acts. Uh, The rest of this chapter actually is a restoration of a 
probably fallen creation here. And uh, we liken that to a pattern that God is doing in redemption as well as in creation. Now tonight I want to uh, take up what I refer to as the first principle of the Word of God and uh, uh, I'm going to make a pretty strong statement for that matter and then prove it as we go through, I trust. I believe that this principle that we're going to look at together tonight is what I refer to as the first principle that is laid down in the Word of God and actually is the key to the whole Bible. It's the key in creation, it's the key in redemption, it's the key to the whole Bible. And so we're going to look at this first principle uh, relative to the uh, Spirit and the Word. Now, let's just look at two or three other scriptures here uh, because uh, some of the other things I'm going to say and, and some of this uh, will be refreshing for some of you and for uh, those of you who are new uh, in this area, it'll maybe just a new line of thought. There's certain language here in verses 1 through to 5, the first few verses we have of the Bible, which we speak of as the language of creation. And we find that in uh, the rest of the Bible, God takes the language of creation and it becomes what I've called the language of redemption. The language of creation becomes the language of redemption. All right, now let me uh, turn with you to a, a couple of scriptures to sh just to show you this. Uh, before we proceed here and look at this principle. Uh, let's turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians 5. First Thessalonians chapter 5. And here Paul takes up from Genesis chapter 1. As I said, he takes the language of creation and it becomes the language of redemption. Okay, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and we'll read verses 1 through 5. But of the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I write unto you. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. For when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with child and they shall not escape. But ye, brethren, are not in darkness that that day should overtake you as a thief. Ye are all the children of the light and the children of the day. Now that takes way back to Genesis. God said, let there be light, and there was light, and God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. Ye are all the children of light and the children of the day. We are not of the night nor of the darkness. So Paul goes way back to Genesis chapter 1. He takes, as I said, the language of creation, and the language of creation becomes the language of redemption. First the natural, then the spiritual. Let's turn over to another illustration of this. Uh, uh, John's Gospel. John's Gospel, chapter 1. We uh, alluded to this last week. John's Gospel, chapter 1. Because the first chapter or so of Genesis is dealing with creation, the rest of the Bible is dealing with redemption. John's Gospel, chapter 1, and uh, we'll take verse, oh, we'll take verses 1 through to 5 again. In the beginning was the Word, in the beginning God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shined, shineth in darkness. God said, let there be light. The Spirit of God uh, moved upon the face of the, of the waters. 
The earth was without form and void. Darkness was upon the face of the deep. And God said, let there be light. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. One other scripture from the New Testament, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Each of these scriptures show that the language of creation becomes the language of redemption. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse, uh, verses 4 and 6. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verses 4 and 6. In whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light, let there be light, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. The light shineth in the darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. Satan is the God of this world. He's the prince of the kingdom of darkness, and so he blinds the mind. Blindness is darkness. He blinds the mind of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Verse 6, But God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and God said, Let there be light, let there be light, the command of light, and there was light. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, is he who hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So in those passages I've read to you from Gospel of John, from Thessalonians, and from uh, 2 Corinthians, Paul or the writers are going way back to Genesis, the first five verses, and taking the language of, of creation, and the language of creation becomes the language of redemption. So I just wanted to give you those uh, several foundation scriptures uh, as we commence here. Okay, now let's go back to uh, Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1. All right, now as we look at these first five verses and uh, leading up to the principle we're going to be looking at particularly, we have here in creation an example of the gospel. The gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, or as I've been saying, language of creation becomes a language of redemption. And here we have a picture of the gospel. And this principle that we're going to look at, the first principle of the word of God, which is the key to the word, of, word itself. All right, so in verse 1 we have creation. In verse 2, the earth was, uh, those who hold the gap theory uh, suggest that the word was, could be translated became. The earth became without form and void, and darkness is upon the face of the deep. Now, as we checked last week with uh, Isaiah chapter 45, God did not create the earth uh, in vain. He did not create it without form and void, the same Hebrew words. And God is light. In him is no darkness at all. So here is a condition of things contrary to the very nature and being of God. God does not create things a waste, a ruin, or an emptiness. God is not the author of darkness. God is light in him. He's no darkness at all. And so here in verse 1 we have the original creation. Something has happened in verse 2 that uh, shows this condition uh, where everything is without form and void or it's a waste or a ruin or an emptiness and darkness is upon the face of the deep. Now what happens in the midst of that chaos, in the midst of the darkness, here the Spirit of God moved upon the face 
of the waters. So, as we saw last week, in the beginning, God, the word God there, as we noticed, was it's a Hebrew uh, uniplural word denoting plurality of divine persons, Elohim, or involving God, the Godhead, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. But which person of the Godhead takes the initiative? The Spirit of God moved or brooded and fluttered as a dove over the formless condition of the earth. And so here we have God taking the initiative by Spirit, the activity of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God moved. All right, now, in the midst of the darkness, the Spirit of God moving, when everything's without form and void, the Spirit of God moving, movement of the Spirit. Then in verse 3, once the Spirit moves, the Spirit makes room for the Word. So in verse 3, God said, God said, let there be light, but the entrance of thy word giveth light. And so the first thing the word did was produce light because God doesn't work in the darkness. The Spirit of God moved in the darkness, but God wants to work in an atmosphere of light. So the first thing the word does is produce light. So here we have the Spirit of God moving upon the face of the, of the waters and God said, let there be light. Now, as uh, I think I mentioned last week and continuing here, ten times in this chapter... God said. Ten times, God said. In verse 3, verse 6, and God said, verse 9, and God said, in verse 11, God said, verse 14, twice, God said, God said. Verse 20 and 24 and 26 and 30. Ten times in this chapter, once the Spirit moves, God said. And uh, someone has said, the, these are the ten commandments of creation. The Ten Commandments of Creation because every time God said something, it was a creative word. When God said, let there be light, there was light. When God said, let the earth, it happened. So it's a creative word that God spoke. So we have ten times God saying. Now ten is the number of law and order. Ten is the number of, uh, of what, what, uh, ordinal perfection, law and order. God's going to bring order out of chaos. He's going to bring light out of darkness and he's doing it by his word. Ten times God said. So uh, we see the, the word uh, bringing about restoration and fruitfulness and productivity here. The, uh, the, the operation of the word. All right, now, let me say the principle here for those of you taking notes. The divine principle is here. First the spirit, then the word. First the spirit, then the word. So let's just put on the top of the chalkboard this theme that we're going to follow because I said it's the first principle in the word, the Spirit and the Word. The Spirit of God moved and God said, first the Spirit, then the Word. Now, we're just going to sort of take this, as I said, it's the first principle and it's illustrated right through the word and there's seven major areas that I want to take this thing up in our, in our teaching session tonight seven major areas uh, of the operation of the spirit and the word, the spirit of God moving and God speaking, first the spirit then the word the spirit must precede the word the spirit makes way for the word without the spirit moving the word is lifeless okay so it takes the Spirit to make the Word alive in our hearts. Amen? Can you say amen? Are you there? Are you coming with me? <laughs> okay. There must be movement of the Spirit. 
And if anything is to happen, and, and, and this to me is just a pit, uh, picture of a whole of our society, the chaotic condition and darkness upon the face of the deep, and a whole of civilization is just becoming without form and void, a waste, a ruin, and an emptiness. And uh, it's going to take a movement of the Spirit of God to do anything. So, so the Spirit must precede the Word. So this is the principle we're looking at, first the Spirit, then the Word. All right, now, let's see it first of all. I said there's going to be seven areas I'm going to touch on this and show you how it is the key to the whole Bible. First of all, we have the Spirit and the Word active in creation. So number one, the Spirit and the Word active in creation. I'm going to quote some scriptures here because I want to cover these seven areas, uh, touch on them briefly. Uh, here's some scriptures where the Holy Spirit was active in creation. Where the Holy Spirit was active in creation. Psalm 33, verse 6. Psalm 33, verse 6. Job 26, verse 13. I'll quote uh, some of these in a moment. Job 26, verse 13. Job 33, verse 4. And Psalm 104, verse 30. I'll run through those again. Psalm 33, verse 6. Job 26, verse 13. Job 33, verse 4. And Psalm 104, verse 30. Now, like a couple of those scriptures say, by his spirit he hath garnished the heavens. By his spirit. Another one says that, uh, that by the breath of the Lord, and the spirit is the breath, the breath of God, the spirit of God, uh, by the breath of the Lord were the host of heaven made. So we see that the Holy Spirit was active in creation. All right. The next thing here, we see the Word in, active in creation. Uh, John chapter 1, I've already given to you, but let's uh, quote it again. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. And all things were made by the Word. And without Him was not anything made that was made. So God said, God said, so it was a creative Word. So in the beginning God, in the beginning was the Word. And all things were made by the word. Without the word, nothing was made that was made. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 2. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 2. Uh, it says, God upholds all things by the word of his power. Uh, who's, has anybody here got the Amplified? Who's got an Amplified New Testament or Amplified Bible? Anybody? Uh, uh, could you turn to Hebrews chapter 1 for me, brother? Uh, while you're turning to that, uh, Colossians 1, verse 16 and 17. Colossians 1, 16 and 17, where it says, Everything was made by him, for by him, referring to the Lord Jesus Christ, the word, by him were all things created that are in heaven, that are in earth. In the beginning God created the heaven and earth, uh, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things, and by him, all things consist, everything holds together by the word. Okay, have you got uh, Hebrews? Yes, uh, let, let me read a few verses there because I'd like to sort of emphasize what I want to. Thank you, dear brother. Okay, listen to Hebrews chapter 1. You know I like the Amplifier when it agrees with my doctrine. Uh, it does here. But this is powerful. In many separate revelations, each of which set forth a portion of the truth and in different ways, God spoke of all to our forefathers in and by the prophets. 
But in the last of these days he has spoken unto us in the person of his Son, whom he hath appointed heir and lawful owner of all things. And listen to this language. Also by and through whom he created the worlds and the reaches of space and the ages of time. That is, he made, produced, built, operated and arranged them in order. He is the sole expression of the glory of God, the light being, the outraying of the divine. And he is the perfect imprint and very image of God's nature, upholding and maintaining and guiding and propelling the universe by his mighty word of power. Hallelujah. Can you say hallelujah? hallelujah. That's the word. So as I said last week, he hangs the world on nothing and it's doing pretty good. So if he can hang the world on nothing, he can look after you with the same amount. <laughs> In the, the word so what there in creation we see the spirit and the word by his spirit and by the word the, the spirit and the word all right let's move on to number two here this, as i said there's seven areas i want to touch on briefly when we come to god's choice of the nation of israel we have the operation of this principle the spirit and the word we'll turn to a couple of scriptures here because when God chose the nation of Israel, the thing that made them what they were and in the measure that they fulfill God's purpose was the ministry of the Spirit and the ministry of the Word. Let's turn over to the book of Judges for a couple of verses here. Judges chapter 6. Judges chapter 6 and verse 34. This is referring to Gideon and uh, his call after the angel of the Lord met him. And he's going out to battle against the Midianites and the Amalekites. And so Judges chapter 6 verse 34. But the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon and he blew a trumpet. Now those of you who have the marginal reference on that Hebrew word came, it's uh, used several times, the Spirit of the Lord clothed himself. He clothed Gideon. The, the, the thought is that the Spirit of the Lord clothed Gideon with himself and, and uh, clothed uh, himself with Gideon. That's why we speak of the baptism of the Holy Spirit as a wedding garment. Ye shall be endured with power from on high. The Greek word there is ye shall be clothed upon you see the baptism of the Holy Spirit is our priestly garment see the Spirit of the Lord clothed himself with Gideon coming upon him like a garment and uh, that was the secret of his ministry Judges chapter 11 verse 29 we have uh, a similar thought in, in, in uh, relation to Jephthah I think it is Judges 11 and verse 29 Yes, the same language. Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jephthah. Margin has the Spirit of the Lord clothed Jephthah. Now all those men in the book of Judges were powerless without the Spirit. And one of the key expressions in the book of Judges is the Spirit of the Lord, the Spirit of the Lord. So the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon, the Spirit of the Lord came upon Samson, the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jephthah. Uh, that's one of the key expressions through the book, the Spirit of the Lord. Without the Spirit, they could, do, they could do nothing. Go to chapter 13 while we're just in this book. Judges 13 
verse 24. Judges 13, verse 24. And the woman bare a son and called his name Samson, <laughs> which means sunny, <laughs> S-U-N-N-Y. Uh, and the child grew and the Lord blessed him. And the Spirit of the Lord began to move him at times in the camp. The Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. Now, Spirit of the Lord not moving upon the face of the waters, the Spirit of the Lord moving upon Samson at times. And uh, the tragedy of Samson's life, eventually the Spirit left him and he shook himself. He said, I will shake myself as at other times, but he wished not that the Spirit of the Lord had departed from him. And the tragedy is that People can imitate the operations of the Spirit and shake themselves out as at other times and nothing happens. Right? Because without the Spirit of the Lord we are weak like other men, every one of us, depending upon the Spirit. Now that's the key in the book of Judges. I want you to go over to, to uh, a couple of uh, scriptures from the prophets. Now let's turn over to Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter 1, just uh, for a couple of examples here. We'll take uh, verse 1 and 2, then verse 4, just down a little bit here. Jeremiah chapter 1, and verse 1 and 2. The words of Jeremiah the son of Hilkiah, of the priests that were in Anathoth in the land of Benjamin, to whom the word of the Lord came. In the days of Josiah, the son of Ammon, Ammon, king of Judah, in the thirteenth year of his reign. Verse 4, then the word of the Lord came. Verse 11, moreover the word of the Lord came unto me. Verse 13, the word of the Lord came unto me the second time. Now, this is the key expressions that you see in the book of Judges. Something missing in the book of Judges. They had the spirit of the Lord, but never had the word of the Lord. And every one of those judges ended up pretty well a fizz. Because to be a balanced believer, we need the Spirit and the Word. And nearly every one of those judges ended up either in immorality or some little religious gimmick in their life because they lacked the Word of the Lord. Okay? And we have churches today that say, well, I got the Spirit, hallelujah, I got the Spirit, I'm charismaniac, glory, hallelujah, you know. Well, what about the Word? Oh, I don't care about the Word. We got the Spirit. Woo! <laughs> they just have wildfire. Eh? Don't know a thing about the Word. And then we've got other churches who say, well, I don't believe in the Spirit, don't believe in the baptism. I've got the Word, the Word, the Word, the Word. And they're as dead as Julius Caesar. Eh? We say down under often, if you have the Spirit only, you blow up. But if you have the Word and the Spirit, you'll grow up and go up. If you have the Word only, you'll dry up. But if you have the Word and the Spirit, you'll go up and grow up. That's balance. See, the Spirit precedes the Word, the Spirit makes way for the Word, but the Spirit without the Word. Movement without the Word. So there's got to be balance. And this is where so many of the charismatic people are getting into problems today. Lack of teaching, lack of the Word getting into all the wildfire and all the fanaticism and same and worse mistakes that Pentecostal revival had in 1906 and on. 
because charismatic people, the moment they get the Spirit, I, this blows my little mind out. Why is it that people, the moment they get the baptism of the Spirit, become so unteachable? It's, it's, it's a tragedy. That's a fact, though. Charismatic people and Pentecostal people are, are the most unteachable people out. I've been, around, I've been around for a couple of years. Because once they say, oh, I've got the spirit, I've got the spirit. Ooh, ooh, ooh. <laughs> Get out that little Pentecostal or charismatic manifestation. But you see, we need both. Amen? Amen. Can you receive that? Is that all right? Well, I think it's good anyway. So uh, when we get to the prophets, the key expression in the prophets. Now, the prophets were not men without the Spirit, as we'll see, but the key expression in the prophets, and you have a much holier... Yeah, I'm still hanging on, thank you. We have a much holier type of ministry. The prophets were the most holy men of God that you ever saw, the, the holiest ministry that you ever saw in the Bible in contrast to the judges. Uh, this, now, this is the second illustration of this principle. The first illustration is in creation, the Spirit and the Word. And now in, in the nation of Israel, the Spirit of the Lord upon the judges, the Word of the Lord upon the prophets. But without the Spirit, without the Word, the lack of balance here, problems. So a tremendous need of the Word of God. So they were the two expressions, the Spirit of the Lord and the Word of the Lord. In other words, the Spirit and the Word working together. All right, let's go to number three here and see uh, the same principle that's illustrated. We'll see it in the, in the Scriptures themselves. All right, number three. Let's put up here the Scriptures. Let's turn to uh, two or three Scriptures on this area here. Second Timothy chapter 3. Second Timothy chapter 3 and verse uh, 16. Now we're looking at the Spirit and the Word in relation to the Scriptures, in relation to the Word of God, the written Word as we have it. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. The word inspiration is literally God-breathed, the breath of God. So all Scripture is given by the breath of God, the Spirit of God, God-breathed, uh, inspire, expires to run out of breath. Perspire is to have holy sweat. <laughs> but this is, this is not perspiration or expiration. It's inspiration. It's breathing in. God breathed. So all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Uh, let's connect it up with another Scripture. Second, uh, oh, let's know, first, uh, second Peter, second Peter. Second Peter chapter 1 and verse 20 and 21. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 20 and 21. Knowing this, that no prophecy of the Scripture... All Scripture is given by inspiration, knowing this, that no prophecy of the Scriptures of any private interpretation, 
for the prophecy came not in all time by the will of man, or the margin says, at any time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God moved upon the face of the wars. The Spirit of the Lord moved upon Samson. Movement. See, there must be movement of the Spirit first before the Word comes. Holy men of God spake as they were moved or borne along or energized and quickened by the Holy Spirit. So what I'm saying there is, which came first, the Spirit or the Word? What? Which came first, the Spirit or the Word? What's the answer? The Spirit. In other words, we couldn't have the Word without the Spirit. So it took the Spirit to produce the Word. Eh? Took the Spirit to produce the Word. So holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. Uh, the prophecy didn't come in all time by the will of man. That's why I must admit I get a little bit agitated when I go to some charismatic meetings and I say, now, anybody want to prophesy? Yeah, up go the head. Well, just say anything that comes to your mind. Well, how ridiculous. Tell that to the prophets. That's why we get so much spurious prophecy. Huh? Went to one meeting once and the fellow was asking people, how many want to prophesy? Yeah, up went there. Well, just come out the front here and now just think, just let your mind go blank and then whatever comes to your mind, say it. Well, if I said everything that come to my mind, <laughs> I wouldn't attribute it to the Spirit. And so people just blabbed off something about Mary had a little lamb. I remember one prophecy we had, one in the church, when I had to get up to speak, uh, sang a song of the Lord, actually, and sang, Thou hast come out of Aladdin's lamp. I said, well, Lord, what have you been doing there? Yeah. Another church I went to, they up and prophesied, the Lord would speak unto thee about Pinocchio. As Pinocchio grew donkey's ears, so have you got donkey's ears. I said, Lord, have you been reading Pinocchio? <laughs> what a lot of Corinthian foolishness. <laughs> Are you saying amen out there? Prophecy came not in all time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake the word as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. That's what I like to hear. That movement of the Spirit that produces the word. And then there's a creative word, see? The Spirit of God moved, God said. So the Spirit made way for the word. And when there's movement of the Spirit and God speaks, then it's a creative word. Otherwise, it can be a lot of ballyhoo. You know who that is, don't you? Right? So took the Spirit to produce the Word. Took the Spirit to produce the Scriptures. All right, let's go over to one other Scripture of this. Um, 1 Chronicles chapter 29 is an interesting verse. 1 Chronicles 29. Now in 1 Chronicles chapter 29, we have an example of inspired writing by the Spirit. Just an example of how the whole of the Bible was written by inspiration. The Spirit of God moving upon people and inspiring them to write the Word. All right, First Chronicles, oh, I'm sorry, it's chapter 28. First Chronicles 28, that's just the chapter before in my Bible. 
Uh, verse 11, 1 Chronicles 28, verse 11. Then David gave to Solomon his son the pattern of the porch and of the houses thereof and of the treasuries thereof and of the upper chambers thereof and of the inner parlors thereof and, the, and of the place of the mercy seat. All this referring to the temple of Solomon, of course. Verse 12. And the pattern of all that he had by the Spirit. So the Holy Spirit gave David the pattern of the temple that Solomon was to build, the house of the Lord. He built according to the pattern, and that pattern was given by the Spirit. Now verse 19, as he continues. All this, said David, the Lord made me understand in writing by his hand upon me, even all the works of this pattern. So the pattern for the temple was given by the Spirit, and as David was writing, he said, The hand of the Lord is upon me, and the Lord made me to understand in writing by his hand upon me, uh, even all the works of this pattern, inspired writing by the Spirit. So the Word was written by the Spirit. The Spirit produced the Word, inspired writing. You have counterfeit of this in the Spiritist churches. Many Spiritist churches, especially the mediums, they get into their little trance and they write down prophecies that they receive from the spirit world. The counterfeit of this. All right, so we see the spirit and the word, the spirit and the word active in creation, spirit and the word active in Israel, the spirit and the word active in the producing or the production of the scriptures. All right, let's go to number four here. Number four, and we want to see this in the Lord Jesus Christ. Bring us to the cross. The first principle, the Spirit of God moved, God said. First the Spirit, then the Word. Now let's go over to uh, John's Gospel. John's Gospel chapter 1 again. John chapter 1, and uh, we'll read verses 1 and 2 again and then go down to verse 14. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. So the name of Jesus, his eternal name, was the Word. When the Word was made flesh, he was named Jesus. Jesus is the name of his humanity but his eternal name is the Word. Now in verse 14, And the Word was made flesh and dwelt, or literally tabernacled among us, and we beheld his glory, just that Shekinah glory as in the tabernacle of Moses, the glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Now verse 14 is John's way of speaking of the virgin birth. The Word who was in the beginning... The Word who was with God, the Word who was God, the Word was made flesh. This is John's way of describing the virgin birth. Now, when it came time for the Word to be made flesh, how was it to happen? How could the eternal Logos, how could the eternal Word be made flesh? It was going to take movement of the Spirit to produce the Word. Let's go over to two, uh, to two passages of, of this. Matthew chapter 1. And I trust that the Spirit is 
quickening the word that I'm saying to you tonight because if the word is to be made flesh in us, it's going to take movement of the Spirit upon our heart to do it. Okay? Otherwise, it's just an intellectual trip. Okay? It just becomes an intellectual enjoyment. It just becomes an ego trip. And I feel this particularly with being in college with the kids. So much word. But how will the word be made flesh? It takes movement of the Spirit to produce it in the heart. All right, Matthew's Gospel, chapter 1. The Word made flesh. Now, we're told in verse uh, 18, the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise. Uh, when as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Verse 20, but while he thought on these things, he was going to put her away. The angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her or begotten in her is of the Holy Spirit. Now let's go over to Luke's gospel and it's very beautiful how Luke uh, describes the virgin birth and we notice the, this principle, the Spirit moving and the Word, the Spirit preceding the Word, the Spirit making way for the Word, the Spirit producing the Word, the Spirit making the Word flesh. Luke chapter 1 and uh, verse 30 We'll just sort of paraphrase a little bit here. The angel came to the Virgin Mary, the angel Gabriel here, told her that she found favor with God and told her that she would conceive in her womb and bring forth a son and call his name Jesus. Uh, he would be great and would be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God would give unto him the throne of his father David and he would reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom there shall be no end. Now listen to Mary's beautiful question. Then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? The angel just says to her in plain words, It's not going to be of men or by the ministry of men. It's going to be by the Spirit. How will the Word be made flesh? It's going to take movement of the Spirit. And so in verse 35, the angel Gabriel answered and said unto her, The Holy Spirit will come upon thee. The Spirit moved. The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. So it took the Spirit to produce the Word. So when the Word was made flesh, the Spirit produced the Word. The Spirit produced the Word. For 30 years, we can take it right through his life, but we'll just touch one example. For 30 years, he was the Word made flesh. The Word was named Jesus. Then came the time when the Word was to begin ministry. And so what did the Word say? Well, I've got the Word. I am the Word. So let's get into the ministry. No. He went down into the river Jordan and as he came up out of the river Jordan, as the word came up out of the waters of baptism, the spirit again came upon the word. And now the word went into the synagogue and said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me the word to preach the gospel. So everywhere Jesus went, 
he was the spirit anointed word everywhere Jesus went there was two witnesses the spirit and the word and his whole life was governed by it he was born of the spirit filled with the spirit led of the spirit cast out devils by the spirit spoke and taught by the spirit offered up on Calvary by the spirit everything the word did was by the spirit so you see how devoid many times our theological cemeteries are seminaries <laughs> right devoid of the spirit of God as I often say in so many service today the only way the only place the Holy Spirit gets in is in the benediction praise Father, Son and Holy Ghost it's the wrong end of the meeting to let the Spirit in he likes to get in from the start and that's why I appreciate that when we gather together and we begin to worship the Lord and sing to the Lord and tell him we love him what are we doing? we're making way for the Spirit we're saying oh Spirit of God move upon the face of the deep within before the word comes otherwise you're not going to get out of the word what you should you're not going to receive from the word what you should because there's been no movement of the spirit and so I'll just speak and battle away here or just try and communicate mind to mind instead of spirit to spirit See, that's why it's so important in these days when God is pouring out his spirit to make room for the spirit of God allow movement because the spirit can produce the word then but otherwise it's just an intellectual trip amen can you say amen, amen. all right let's just take a couple more before we're through here all right number five oh, let's see i think i've missed something somewhere um no no we're doing pretty good number five let's see it in this process of redemption now the process of redemption or let's use the word I used last week in the regeneration you see back here the spirit and the word active in creation in Israel the spirit and the word active in the production of the scriptures spirit and the word in the Lord Jesus Christ as the head of the church spirit and the word not the word without the spirit not the spirit without the word and now in redemption or in regeneration how are we to be born again? 1 Peter chapter 1. How many can quote it? 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 23. Some Bible student like to quote it. <clears throat> well, my voice is hanging on here. Who knows it? <laughs> Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God which liveth and abideth forever so when you're born again you're born again of the word well does that come first or does John 3 verse 5 come first verily verily I say unto you except a man be born of water and of the spirit it cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. That which is born of flesh is flesh. So in new birth, it's impossible to be born again without the operation of this principle. The Spirit and the Word. Impossible to be born again. Okay? And so here's the frightening thing for 
all of us, even in witnessing and personal evangelism, teaching the word, whatever, unless the Spirit is moving, you can blab the Bible off 66 books of it and nothing happens. You can quote the Bible to a sinner till he's blue in the face. Unless the Spirit is preceding you. Unless the Spirit is moving. And so when we witness our greatest prayer, and my greatest prayer, Lord, as I minister the word to this fellow, oh, Spirit of God, move upon his heart. And if the Spirit's moving on his heart, there's receptivity of the word. Otherwise, it's just a battle of wits. So in, in, in conversion, in regeneration, a man must be born of the Spirit and he must be born of the Word. The Spirit and the Word. But first the Spirit, then the Word. How many are glad that they've been born again of the Spirit? How many are glad you've got that incorruptible seed, the Word, in you? And what's it there for? Because he wants that Word to be made flesh in the church in the body, the church. So it takes the Holy Spirit. All right, let's take uh, one more, then we're through. Did I say seven? I meant to say six. Um, uh, six one, final one here. Let's turn to the book of Acts and see this thing in the church now, this principle, the first principle of the Bible. And I trust that, uh, uh, I've, uh, that you, I've convinced you that this is the key principle. It's the first principle, the Spirit of God moving, God speaking, the first principle, and the key to the whole Bible. It's the key to creation, it's the key to redemption, it's the key to the Scriptures. It was the key in Israel, it's the key in, in the Lord Jesus Christ, it's the key to the church. Let's turn to the book of Acts. Acts chapter 1, let's just, uh, we've only got about five minutes here, let me just throw some chapters at you. Acts chapter 1 and 2. Jesus has told the disciples to go in all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And so uh, here they are up in the upper room, 120 of them in verse 14. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication. Uh, Verse 15, the number of of the names together were about 120. And so what are they doing? Ten days prayer meeting. Whoever heard of a ten days prayer meeting? Now, what sort of prayers do you think were going on up there? Do you think Peter, James, and John were talking away there and, and Peter says, listen, Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. We got the word. We've been with Jesus for three and a half years. Remember those miracles we used to do? We had a few fizzes there. That one on the Mount of Transfiguration was a real boo-boo. But um, let's get out and get the word. And Doubting Thomas says, hey, listen here, boys. Jesus said tarry for the Spirit. What do we want the Spirit for? And it says, Mary, the mother of Jesus was there. Mary, you don't need the Spirit. You had the Spirit overshadow you when the Word was made flesh. What do you need the baptism for? You think they were arguing like that up there? Or do you really think that they sensed their need of the Spirit? Do you think they were just, oh, well, he knows where I am. If he wants to baptize me with the Holy Ghost, he can. Just when you're ready, Lord, I'll be ready, I think. Or do you think there was earnest prayer and supplication? That's what it says. Lord, we need the Spirit. 
The world is perishing. You've given us the word. You want us to go out and make disciples of all nations. You said begin at Jerusalem. That's the worst place to begin. I could be a missionary over in the uttermost parts of the earth, but boy, starting off in Jerusalem, especially where I cast you out there and that little maid down there, she might say, Yoo-hoo! Peter, you were cocksure until the cock crew. Oh, we need the Spirit. Spirit of God, come. Eh? And then on the day of Pentecost, when they were filled with the Spirit, Peter stood up and preached the word. But it was first the Spirit, then the Word. See, this is one of the hardest principles the church wants to receive today. Because we're not willing to wait for the Spirit. We're not willing to make room for the Spirit. A lot of churches are frightened of the Spirit. Frightened if the Holy Ghost got in, someone might fall under the power even, and that would be tragic. Acts chapter 8. I'll tell you what, the Spirit of God can do more in five minutes than we can do in 55 minutes. If we can just make room for him. Acts chapter 8, Philip has just had a glorious little revival or awakening or something down in Samaria. And right in the middle of it in verse, verse uh, 26, the angel of the Lord uh, spoke to Philip, why don't you get down to the desert? When he gets down there, there's a man of Ethiopia, the line of Ham. And he's been up to Jerusalem, been reading the Bible. And notice in verse 29, the Spirit said to Philip, Go near and join thyself to this chariot. And Philip ran thither to him. Someone said he had to run there to get on time for his text. And when he gets there, what's the eunuch doing? He's reading the word. He's reading the prophet Isaiah. And he says, do you understand what, I, what you read? He said, I haven't got a clue. How can I? Now, he's the man who's got the word. But he doesn't understand it. And the Spirit said. And so, Philip gets up into the chariot, and because the Spirit is directing this thing, he begins at the word, and the guy ends up getting saved and baptized, and Philip has a little rapture up to another city. Now, who organized all that thing? Spirit of God. First, the Spirit. I mean, you know, Philip just said, oh, I've got to do something, I've got to do something. Now, maybe down in the desert, if I could get vision, television, television, something. Maybe there's a black man down there I can go and witness to. The Spirit said. Now, do you think the Holy Spirit could do that today? Or, you know, We've got so many modern uh, inventions, we don't need to depend upon the Spirit as much today. You know, in those days, they didn't have telephones, telegram, telewoman, they, uh, television. Uh, <laughs> no. um, they just had to depend upon the Spirit, that poor early church. But we've got modern inventions now. We don't need to depend on Spirit so much. Acts chapter 10 and 11, let's finish on this one. Acts chapter 10 and chapter 11, Peter's waiting up on the roof and the housetop, waiting for lunch. <laughs> Maybe you're waiting for supper. Fell into a trance, which you're not allowed to do at the moment. And uh, he sees the vision three times and looks on the little sheet there. There's little pigs and crayfish and prawns. And everything. 
that Brother Tommy Wardle loves to eat. Brother Tommy and I are true Jews. We've never eaten anything common or unclean. We just bless it and call it fish. Uh, <laughs> now, it's nothing to do with eating meats, by the way. This was to do with the Gentiles. So in verse 19, while Peter thought on the vision, the Spirit said, Behold, three men seek thee, rise therefore and get thee down and go with them doubting nothing, for I have sent them. And in verse 22, we better quit. And they said, Cornelius the centurion, a just man, one that feareth God and of good report among all the nation of the Jews, was warned from God by a holy angel to send for thee into his house to hear words of thee. And so Peter gets down there. That is, he's preaching the word, the Holy Spirit fell on them that heard the word and baptized them in the Holy Spirit and the Spirit and the word and they got the word and got the Spirit and the Spirit interrupted the word, cut Peter off, he didn't get to make the announcements, take up the offering, give a special collection for the Gentiles, nothing. The Spirit got in. That was first the Spirit and the word. <laughs> How many would like to see this principle operate more in our lives? Yes, I believe that's what God wants and I believe that, that's what God's doing today. Okay, my voice is just about hung out. Let's stand and close in prayer. Hallelujah. Father, we just come to you at this closing moment in the blessed name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. We thank thee that today the Spirit of God is moving upon the face of the deep Spirit of God is moving in the midst of the darkness and the chaos and your word is coming, that your word is producing light. We pray, oh God, that by your spirit, we know it's not by our might or by our power or by our preaching or teaching, it's by your spirit. And we just pray that your spirit will come to our hearts and let there be movement in our hearts, Lord. May we meditate upon these things. Lord, may we just make ourselves available continually to the Spirit of God, that the Spirit may release the Word and bring the Word into operation. Seal this principle in each of our hearts. We ask in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And everybody said, Amen. 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 God bless you. You are dismissed. Be sure to visit kevinconnor.org for more information about Kevin, his books, and his ministry.